This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 268, The Three Phases of Wealth and the One We All Forget, a Bank on Yourself expert panel. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. If you needed brain surgery, would you call the one guy who said he's read a book or two on the topic, your uncle maybe, or your buddy from college? Or would you bring in a team of advanced surgeons and professionals who have, let's say, over a quarter of a century of combined experience to make sure that everything with your surgery and operation goes as smooth as possible? Of course, I would choose the team. I would choose the mastermind. I would choose the experts. And with that idea in mind, I, I want to tell you a bit about why I feel so blessed to be a part of the Bank on Yourself Professionals Certification and Authorization Program. For over 10 years, it's been my absolute honor and privilege to get to work with many of the people you've heard on this podcast. In fact, yes, you've heard many of these folks who will be on our panel today as individual guests on my show. But now this is a very special episode because I was speaking with them recently and I was just so blown away by the quality of our offline conversation, I decided and I realized that I really needed to bring you into that conversation too. So I'd like to let you listen in on some of the discussions that we have as Bank on Yourself professionals. On this particular episode, on this expert panel, uh, we're going to get into the three phases of your financial life. What are those three phases, you might be asking? Well, the first phase is accumulation, building up your nest egg. The last phase is distribution, meaning spending it all in your retirement. But what about that phase in the middle? That's the phase that most people forget all about. And you're going to have to listen to the rest of this episode to find out what it is and what you can do to make sure you've taken care of it. It's the phase that almost nobody remembers, and it's maybe the most important one. So with that introduction out of the way, I can't wait to reintroduce you to all of my good friends and colleagues. All right, everybody, welcome to the show. Well, I'm so glad to have everybody here. And I just want to read off. We got some incredible bank on yourself professionals. We've got Ryan Fleming. We got Mark Bashirs. We got Brandon and Amanda Neely. We got Kristen Kolka, we got Marvin Bulis, Stephen Stepp as well. These are all people who have at one time or another been on our show in the past, but I wanted to bring everybody back here together to just have a discussion. One of my favorite parts about being a part of this mastermind bank on yourself revolution is that it's not just little old me shouting into, you know, into a tornado, but I've got incredible friends like you guys that are along for the ride. So first of all, Somebody speak up and just tell me what it's like being a part of the Bank on Yourself revolution. Well, being part of the revolution is changing people's lives. And usually it starts with our own when we got involved to save our own financial future. And then you realize if, if I need it, well, then everyone needs it. And to be able to get out and, and touch families and business owners around the country has uh, just been so rewarding. You know, back when I was in 
real estate sales, no one ever thanked me for selling them a condo. But now in the life insurance industry, I get Christmas cards and people telling you so many, so many kind things because you, you've changed their financial direction, their, their future and their hope. So it's just a blessing to be part of this group. As Pamela Yellen has said, there's over 200 Bank on Yourself professionals in the crew. I heard the other day that so far there's been an over $1 billion with a B, $1 billion of additional wealth added to families' balance sheets, both through cash values and death benefits. So that is not a small dent in the universe right there, man. That's That's huge. And that's just part of a bigger thrust toward sane strategies like cash value life insurance and other contractual wealth tools like annuities that it just seems like are becoming more and more at least an option for folks, right? So you're right, Mark. Um, it is kind of rewarding to to get those those letters in the mail, those kind words, those Christmas cards. So, well, guys, I wanted to just jump into something that's been nibbling away at my brain lately. And that is uh, kind of the the philosophy that we're all given, I suppose, in the traditional way of doing financial plans. And I was thinking about the, the, the overall philosophy of what is the traditional way of financial planning through something like a 401k. And the typical way of doing things, if you're just asking the oh-so-average financial investor or investment advisor, is three phases of life. Uh, there's accumulation, preservation, and distribution. However, if you're in the traditional camp, there's not a lot of discussion about one of those phases. So again, the three phases were accumulation, preservation, and distribution. Now, before we get into how we might look at things differently, let's talk about the three phases of financial planning, accumulation, preservation, and distribution through the lens of the traditional oh-so-average financial landscape through 401ks and IRAs and, and the like. What's working and what's not working when it comes to that traditional mindset? Hey, Mark, this is uh, Ryan Fleming from Columbus, Ohio. Thanks so much for having us all on, man. You know, one of my thoughts on that question would be is most people tend to rely on government-made programs, Wall Street, and kind of like our own human nature and so much that we kind of just follow the herd like sheep, so to speak. And I think that that's yielded a lot of the macro issues that we see with traditional financial planning relative to counting on your 401k to be there, the timing of the markets when you need that 401k. And moreover, the scary part of is just relying on the uh, the definitions and the rules on how and when you can take those dollars from, from the government centered around Wall Street speculation. And we all know that as human beings, we just, we tend to do things that aren't in our best interest all the time. You know, so maybe a Christian would say you're, you have a sinful nature and an atheist might say, we're just all messed up, but we all do things that aren't in our best interest all the time, whether it's what we put under our mouth, what we look at on the internet, or perhaps what we do with our own money. So that's kind of a, a, a high level, I guess, response to that you know, that question about what's traditional financial planning centered around those three things, government, Wall Street, and our human nature tendencies. Wow. And you really caught my attention with the human nature part, because you're right. I, I, I want a six pack of abs, but I also love chocolate ice cream. So uh, you're right. We sometimes act against our nature. How have you seen that play out? And just go a little deeper on that last one there, Ryan. How do you see the human nature factor keep us from succeeding when we're using traditional methods? Well, <laughs> 
It's it's lack of knowledge from the consumer standpoint, right? When you really truly sit down and you start to educate them about how money works, they really don't have the answers. And what that leads to is lack of control. And, you know, first, for example, one of a myriad of myriad major topics is in the world of taxation. You know, a lot of advisors will do a good job allocating your 401k or IRA, but they do a very, very poor job of tax planning. And I just... Uh, it's it's maddening to me that people out there think that they have a good plan, but they have just a, a little bit of a plan, and that little bit of a plan doesn't solve the whole scope of things that they're going to face, you know, now and as they matriculate into their retirement years. And so, for example, that would be tax planning. Very few planners do good tax planning, which is just absolutely insane to me. But they have a a good equity bond portfolio mix in their four hundred one k. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of uh, blinders that we have to keep on if we want to follow the traditional mindset. What about anybody else? Talk about accumulation, preservation, and distribution when it comes to the traditional path that most people are kind of stuck on, whether they even realize it or not. I'll jump in here. Hi, it's Amanda Neely from Cincinnati, Ohio. And I was just earlier today listening to Not Your Average Financial Podcast episode 261 for the 401 okay. Not okay, not okay. And I kept waiting for you to talk about target date funds because that's often what people that we come across and that research has shown what they're doing within those 401ks are using target date funds. If you're not familiar, the whole idea behind these is you pick your target retirement date and then the portfolio is supposed to automatically adjust as you get closer to retirement to be more preserving of your balances. And I actually learned this from Pamela Yellen on an amazing interview she did a few years back or so that those target date funds, not only do they often have the highest fees of all the different funds you could have, but when you looked back at the Great Recession and the people that were about to retire 2008, 2009, and they had their money in these target day funds, they also had their 401k turned to a 201k, that you know <laughs> joke that everybody was making back there. And it was so sad. This, this fund was supposed to be preserving their wealth so they could retire, and yet it didn't. And I see that so much of the time. People have their 401k, their IRA, they're using these target date funds. They don't really know that it's working for them. And they're designed for average people within that age group. For me, I know my risk tolerance isn't average for my age. And I think there's a lot of people that would say, I'm not average. Should I be in those target date funds? Should I follow you know, the average conventions of have this mix of stocks versus bonds or, you know, that kind of thing. I need something custom to my risk tolerance, what I want for my future. And and yet there's so many people who just don't want to think about it, right? Amanda, there's just a, a uh, it's just so much. What is a target date fund? I just want to go fishing on the weekends and enjoy a nice movie before next Monday rolls around. How do we overcome the the resistance of just don't make me think that that philosophy of don't make me have to learn all this financial jargon. How do we do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what was forced on us when they were given the 401k, right? We used to have pension fund managers and amazing people that would do that kind of analysis for us and make sure that the company setting aside the right amount. So we would have, you know, very conservative investments so that we would have what was promised to us, the defined benefit for when we retired. I think it is asking us too much. So we have to say, well, what if I threw the 401k out the window? Or what if I only 
dependent on it a little bit, or maybe that was my money I could afford to lose even better. And then we build something that we don't have to think about. Maybe we get those really great actuaries in our corner doing the work for us. And we just have to sit there and watch it grow, become more and more efficient every year. I wonder what that would be. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're really helping us understand that there's something beyond just the traditional way of doing things, Amanda. But you know, we've, we've talked about these three stages, guys, and I'm just curious if anyone would like to venture a guess, which one of these three phases, accumulation, preservation, distribution, does the traditional financial mindset help us with, if any? Maybe they are, maybe they're all well suited, and maybe that's why there's forty trillion. Was it thirty or forty trillion dollars in qualified retirement plans like four hundred one ks and IRAs? I mean, they must be doing something right. So, of the three stages, accumulating, which is like building up money, yeah. preserving, which is like saving and protecting, and then distributions, like spending it for groceries and grandkids and retirement. Which of those three phases does the traditional investment methods of Wall Street do well, and which one has it? just failed miserably. If, if you guys want to chime in on that one. I mean, can I add like, uh, this is Brandon, by the way, today I was talking to somebody, a client saying, you know, you have your TSP and your 401k, you want to retire in five years. Why am I doing the math trying to help you? Why isn't your TSP provider doing this for you? They should be doing this for you because it's, that's a lot of money right there. And it's like, well, they don't really do that kind of thing. And, and I think that that's the hard part is we, they're all focused on the accumulation, not the preservation or the distribution because there's no money in it, right? And that's the challenge is how do I help these clients who've gone up that mountain of Mount Everest? How do I make sure they get to the top and down safely? And the hard part is, again, their income is going to go down as they're taking money out, Right. So there's no financial incentive to help people in that direction. You guys talk, Brandon, you guys talk a lot about these stages on your podcast, uh, Wealth Wisdom Financial Podcast. Wall Street doesn't really want to track your preservation or distributions because there's no money in it. Why is that? I mean, if you're taking out money, then there's less fees, right? In that direction. And if if you're taking out money more and more, often there's there's less they can make on you. They want it to be going in the other direction. So they're going to spend more time on the younger people telling them it'll go up. Just keep going. Don't don't look at the guy behind the curtain. Don't do any of that. And you know, we'll we'll be fine. Right. Do we think we're going to have more market corrections, crashes, volatility? Do we want to be in that roller coaster forever? And do you want to risk okay, I'm now 65, I've built up a million dollars and now it's, you know, 800,000 or whatever it is. I don't know. Well, Mark, do you mind if I add to that too? Yeah. This is Kristen Kolka. Um, so, you know, I think Brandon brings up a really good point about there not being that financial incentive for planners to focus on the preservation and distribution, but also to harken back to what Brian said, which was so beautifully said in the beginning, it's about human nature too. We're short-term thinkers. We're very reactive. We have a tendency to chase greed. And so these planners are seeing that, oh, here's an easy sale. Let's focus on returns and not so much focus on the long-term picture. 
That's so true. Yeah, there's a, a an easy sale when you can promise something that may or may not ever come to pass. Kristen, I was just thinking about you actually, and you were just on our show on, and guys, you can go back and listen to Kristen's episode, episode 258. Don't do what banks tell you to do with your money. Watch what they do and go do that instead. Uh, and Kristen, your background is in banking. You started at a bank, if I recall. Right. What do you think, as you work with clients, what do you think changes about a person when they implement some maybe counterintuitive, contrarian, not so average financial strategies in the lens of accumulating preservation and distribution? Well, I think the biggest shift is shifting from short-term reactive thinking to more of that long-term strategic thinking where you're thinking about your values and your rules around money and you're picking products that actually fit within those parameters versus, you know, what Amanda said, when we're getting kind of stuffed into these target date funds and we're not even thinking about what is our, you know, risk tolerance. Well, why are we doing that? Because that's what everyone else does. And that's what we're told that we should do. But if we really think about, well, you know, for me personally, what amount of risk am I willing to take on? And what are my personal financial goals? And what are the tools that fit into that parameter? It might not be a 401k. You know, it might be something that allows us more liquidity, more control, more access to our cash. Love it. You know, um, Marvin, I want to ask you this question. Marvin Bulis out in Detroit area, man. What is it that you've been doing this for a while? So first of all, tell us what that's like. And then tell us too, what is it that most people don't realize about what happens to them when they implement these not so average strategies like bank on yourself and more? Yeah, it's been about 20 years I've been doing this. And, and again, Mark, thanks for having us all on here. This is a really cool thing. Thanks for having me on too. So... What is it really like seeing people go through this stuff? I've built plans and I've, I've built solutions and analyses for, for several people, several hundred people. And, and I work with a lot of the people on the call here as well. I've seen so many scenarios where they come in and they think they're doing the right thing. And it's not really so much what they see coming down the road. It's just really what they don't see coming down the road. I've seen some... People just shocked thinking about, okay, well, you've accumulated this pile of money and it's a great, you've, you've done a great job. Let's say everything works out well for you. And then you start your distribution phase and everything's going great, but then we have another 2008 and, and, and you lost a whole bunch of that nest egg. What's going to happen now? Well, you know, that's, it'll recover, right? Yeah, sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't. And if that goes down and you continue your, your standard withdrawal schedule, and you continue along with your standard of living, you might run out of money a lot faster if it doesn't recover. I believe, what was it, Pamela Yellen said we lost a decade of, of gains, and she backed that up with an article where for, for a 10-year period, when it dropped, it, it took 10 years to get back to where it was. So just imagine losing 10 years off of your schedule, what are you going to do? And what we see with the planning that, that you do and, and that we do on this call is we look ahead and we look for that unseen and, and we look for a little bit more predictability. So you don't have to worry so much how much is going to be there when it comes time. You know, it's one thing to lose a decade when you're 32 or something, but when you're 62 and you're already spending the money, distribution phase is just a fancy way of saying groceries, grandkids, you know, spending money. And if you've got a 
tanking market at the same time that you're spending more for toilet paper, cat food, and whatever else you buy at the grocery store, that's going to eat into your own capacity to, to live on that money, right? And you're right. Uh, and I think the the tragedy here is most people just didn't stop to think about it. I was talking to someone earlier today about you know, just not thinking about things. And I have to be honest, I don't think about a lot that I do in my life. You know, like imagine if if you're not a professional weightlifter and you lift weights the wrong way over time, that's going to hurt your shoulder. It's going to hurt your back. It's going to mess with you, right? If you don't realize your calories in is greater than your calories out because you're just eating without thinking, you're going to gain weight. You know, if you if you can just sort of drive your car any way you want to and not think about what it might do to the engine or the brake pads, you're eventually going to hurt that vehicle, right? So I get it that, you know, we all on this discussion today have a lot of thought and attention to this thing called money and learning to think long range. What is the the way you can help our listeners today? And Stephen Stepp, I'd love to hear from you on this if you're willing to share. What is it about long range thinking that helps people act in their own best interest? Wow, that's a, that's a, that's, the million dollar question there, right there, you know, to follow up on what a couple of people said, you know, I find that the purveyors of 401ks and the like do sometimes a good job of helping you earn and accumulate money, but they spend almost no time on the distribution and they spend almost no time on the eventual taxes. And countless times I'll ask the client, okay, this is great. You've got a million dollars in your 401k. You've done really well. What's the distribution plan? How much are you going to take out and when and under what circumstances? How is it going to be taxed? And most people with a million dollars in a 401k or whatever the number is, they believe that's the number that they have to plan with. They absolutely, no one has ever reminded them that this money went in without any taxation. And so now that it's a million dollars, it's going to come out. As it comes out, it's going to be, you know, fully taxed, a huge, you know, oversight. And that's when it's done well. And the typical answer is, okay, you can pull out 4% per year for as long as you live, but people are living a lot longer. Inflation is a lot higher. Costs are, and are going crazy these, these days. And so you don't, you know, who knows if that 4% is going to be enough, too much, or what the situation is for, for each particular person. And just to have this flat, somewhat nebulous 4%, idea as as the main only way of looking at it, which we get from 99% of the, the uh, planners. The other thing that I find very interesting is that a huge majority of financial planners do not beat the S&P 500. So instead of a target date fund or whatever the planner is coming up with in terms of the accumulation, if they're not, you, you'd be better off with an index fund at very little or no fee than having your you know fancy broker and then one last thing that is kind of my pet peeve is that people pay almost no attention to the fees that they're paying, both currently and what that will amount to over time. And I find a lot of times people are paying 1% just because it's in a qualified plan and another percent or two just to have the money manager make the calls and maybe even another percent over time in terms of all the transactions. And I tell people all the time, if you're paying two, three, four percent right off the top every year to your broker, regardless of what happens in the market, it's very hard to get a consistent 
five, six, seven, eight, ten, whatever they think they might be earning over whatever short period of time they're looking at. It's very hard to, to do that because you'd have to be earning eight, 10, 12, 14% consistently every year. And I think if people are honest and they go back and they look at their own paperwork and they look at their own 401k and they look at what, A, what is the real gain and how much am I paying this person to create those gains? So what is my real net after I pay for my expensive broker? You know, the, I, uh, I've written articles on, on called, and Pamela as well, on what we call killer fees. And those killer fees are going to take 20, 30, 40, 50% of the money that you've been accumulating over a lifetime. And that's the money that's going to your broker. So your broker is doing well. His retirement plan is looking pretty good. But what? how is yours looking? I'd like well, to uh, add yep. to that. Go Mark, for it, Mark. Uh, this is Mark Bashir's in South Florida. And Stephen, you're so right. And I think knowing that a, a very small number of financial advisors beat the S&P, but then taking that one step further is it's not the same financial advisors year after year beating the S&P. It's, it's random yeah. of who actually beat the S&P. So whoever your guy is, he's, he's not the one percenter <laughs> and he's not doing it every year consecutively. And, and I, I you know, go back to Mark's accumulation question is society's tr- confusing saving and investing is investing, saving or saving, investing. And as it happened to me as a coming out of college, you know, I thought to get ahead, to accumulate my wealth, I had to invest. So I had to go chase rate of return. And then unfortunately I got skilled on what is the average annual rate of return and is it reality? And as it comes to fruition, it's not reality. And unfortunately that's what probably 99% of 401k contributors are relying on. They saw a report that shows a six, 6.75 annual average rate of return. And they just calculate that over 30 years. Oh, I'm going to have a big pile of money at the end. And they think it's going to work. And that's their idea of saving for the future. All to find out. It just takes one correction followed by another correction to realize you made nothing. <laughs> mm, yeah. So to give yourself permission to become an investor you have to save first. And once you've saved into your financial foundation, especially in a tax-free environment, like we talk about at Bank on Yourself, once you have that foundation established, now you can be a great investor and buy right. And everyone talks about buy low, sell high, but every Friday afternoon on payday, you're just buying at whatever the market rate is. So you're not buying right every Friday in your 401k. So you got to buy right. You got to have capital. To have capital in a tax-free environment is a huge bonus. To have capital that's guaranteed to grow in your bank on yourself plan then gives you permission to buy things on discount. Case in point, 2020, right? Mm-hmm. COVID hits. The market goes on sale by 40%. You now can become a pretty cool investor and walk away from large gains in a, in a short period of time. And then put that money back into your savings and do it all over again when things go on sale the next time. So again, ask yourself, are you a saver or an investor? And in which order? Hmm. Are you an, are you a saver or an investor? Yep. Just Mark, because- I, this is Ryan again, real quick. I, I just think the moral of the story is from what we're talking about here is, is two things that I 
two kind of quotes that I've listened to over the years I, I believe in. If you thought something to be true wasn't true, when would you want to know? And I think everybody on the call today would agree with me is that, that a true planner understands the value of all three of those phases, the accumulation, distribution, and the preservation. And I think everybody on the call would 100 million percent agree that we have the ability to bring way more value to our clients and helping them avoid the losses than to always try to help them pick the winners. And study after study shows that the most content, peaceful, less stressed people in their senior years are the ones that know with certainty what their paychecks are. They know with certainty that a portion of their money is never going to go down because a politician puts a tweet out or somebody performs a terrorism act. And there's nothing wrong necessarily with having money in the market, but not until you solve that preservation stage. And Kristen was right. The more that we can communicate and the more that other people in this country can understand that there's certain products that do certain things at certain times, and it's good to have a foundation like Mark talked about, the better. It's not just a one size fits all. And so I just, I'm just Great. listening to everybody talk and say, man, there's a lot more value in millions of people and helping them avoid the losses than to always try to help them pick the winners. So true. Well, as we wrap up, you guys, I just want to emphasize how incredible it is to be, as you can see, the sparks beginning to fly here. Everyone listening in, I'm sure wants to get a, a little bit more to at least understand a bit more about how they can take retirement mountain by storm and, and to do it without taking a bunch of unnecessary risk. And I just get to hang out with you guys all the time. And it's a privilege and honor to get to introduce many of you guys or reintroduce you to our audience. Folks will find in the show notes, all of your contact information for today. Thank you for joining me guys for the episode and look forward to seeing what we can do next. Thank you, Mark. Well, thanks again, everybody who contributed to today's episode. If you, like me, want to get deeper into some of these contrarian, not-so-average financial strategies like was discussed today, reach out to me or my team or reach out to any of the members on this expert panel, and we'd be happy to have an initial conversation with you. I bet you there's a few conversations that were probably rumbling around in your mind, a few questions maybe that are left unanswered. I don't claim to have all the answers for everybody on a, a podcast like this, but maybe if we had a one-on-one -on -one discussion, we could pierce through the veil and really understand what's needed to help you take that first or next step in your financial journey. So with that in mind, I'm so glad to be a part of this revolution with that amazing community of expert guests like we had today and this revolution with you, my dear listener. So thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.